This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. Today you are going to get a front row seat to the incredible Springbok career of former captain Gary Teichman. Gary, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Cheers, thanks for having me on, Peter. Now before we begin our conversation, Gary, let's take a look at today's trivia question. In 1999, the Springboks narrowly beat Australia at Newlands in the Tri-Nations. What was the score? Now, if you know the answer to the question, you can put it in the comment section down below. And we'll also find out if Gary knows the answer, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. Gary, let's begin in 1995. Tell me how you were feeling ahead of your test debut against Wales. I think, um, you know, I'd, I'd been involved in the, in the squad right up to, to the sort of last, uh, the last selection. Um, but I always had a, I always knew that Tion Strauss was ahead of me, so I, I, I knew that I wasn't going to get it, get in. Um, and then to to get that call up after the World Cup was was quite a surprise. Um, you know, I think them having done so well and achieved so much, um, suddenly to get a outsider in, and and uh, yeah, I, I think I, it was it was. Big surprise, but a, a big honour. And yeah, uh, um, you know, I, I only played the one game, and then they went overseas, and I didn't make that side. So I thought I'd done my one test cap, and I was happy. Gary, you were actually on that tour to Argentina in 1993, and as you mentioned, you you had sort of been part of it. Maybe Tian Strauss was ahead of you, but how frustrating was it that you had to wait so long to actually get a test cap? I think I, I was just happy to be in the mix, you know. At that at that stage, they they would take um, two squads because you'd have the mid midweek games. So so that was always nice to be able to prove yourself, and and you know you were in the with the coach, and uh, um, so it was it was it was all. Uh, you were all part of it, so it gave you opportunity to prove yourself. If you had a really good game in the midweek, in, then maybe you'd you'd get a selection and for a test. And as you say, you did get your debut against Wales. That was after the 1995 Rugby World Cup. How disappointing was it for you to miss out on that squad? I think I, I realised that I wasn't going to be in the in the um, 95 World Cup squad. I had a, a good feeling, so I knew I knew I'd. Uh, I wasn't going to make that that team, so it didn't come as a disappointment because you anticipated, you know. So Gary, after that, Kitch Christie was out of the picture. Andre Marcroft had become the new coach, and then you were very much part of the mix throughout 1996. It was now the professional era. There was this new competition called the Tri Nations. How determined were you guys to try and win that competition? Basically, I came into to the World Cup team, uh, so so. I think those guys were still on a high from from the World Cup. Um, the All Blacks were hurting very much uh, from that. So that next, the first Tri Nations, they they certainly came over here to to prove a point. And I think uh, Sean Fitzpatrick, um, that was his his opportunity to to prove a point. And it was a a, a hell of a series that we. We played in that Tri Nations, and uh, um, yeah, I think the, we we were we were very determined. But I think maybe at the end of the day, they just wanted it a bit more. 
they wanted to prove a point. What was going through your mind when Francois Pinot left the field at Newlands in that Tri-Nations test match and then you took over as captain? Francois had done such an amazing job uh, for, the, for the World Cup. Um, so, so to lose him uh, halfway through that, that game, it was, it was a big concern because uh, together and, and uh, uh, winning that World Cup. And then when, when I was approached, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd only just sort of taken over the Sharks setup. So it was, just, and I'd, I'd, I think I'd played six tests. So to suddenly be thrown the, the captaincy um, was, was, was a big surprise. And, you know, I think I've got a, Andre, Andre obviously saw something in me um, that I could, I could, I could handle it. I remember saying to my dad, I said, you know, I, I'm happy just playing uh, tests and didn't, didn't really want need that that extra pressure. And 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 you know, he said you you only get offered it once, and uh, if you not, don't think you'll get another opportunity, and so so took it, yeah. And Gary, as we now know, South Africa became the first Springbok team to lose a test series at home to New Zealand. I've had a couple of former Springboks on this show before to talk about that, and they've given their reasons why they think it went that way. I know that you mentioned that maybe the All Blacks wanted it a little bit more, but I've also heard that there was a divide in the camp, especially between the World Cup guys and the newer guys, and there was this discrepancy in salary at the time. I wonder if there's anything that you can tell me about that. The way... Uh, South Africa contracted players, um, you know, the guys that all um, were involved in the World Cup got sort of three three years, I think it was. In fact, I didn't, we, we were always uh, separated when it came to those discussions. Um, so they, they had long-term contracts and, and at that stage, I think there might have been two or, or, or three of us that weren't part of that squad and and we were sort of on on match play so so whatever you played you got paid for so it it was a bit uh unfair in a way but at the same time those guys had achieved a, a lot of uh, success um but i i think the the unfortunate thing i think um south african rugby rugby as a whole didn't really have a plan with with professionalism, and and they knew it was coming. Um, so, I think it, suddenly everyone was it was professional, and and we weren't prepared, and 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 especially on the administrator side, they weren't prepared on how they were going to deal with it. So, um, I think there was not that there was unhappiness, and but you know, I think at, at that level, if if there's a lot of uncertainty or or, or there's a little bit of uh, a a dispute, then it always makes it uh, pretty difficult. And from the All Blacks' perspective, they they were just had one common goal, and that was that was to win that series. Um, I think we all know they were they were a formidable side, um, and on the unfortunate well for them on on the day. Of that final, they just they couldn't pull it off, and our guys deserved to win. Um, but they they were a really good side. 
Gary, after that series defeat to New Zealand, Andre Markov named the tour, the team that would go on the end of year tour in 1996 and Francois Pinot had been dropped and then you were installed as the permanent captain. What was your reaction to Francois being dropped? The one, the one thing uh, I couldn't do was try and replicate what, what Francois, uh, you know, he, has, he is a totally different captain to me. And I knew that if I tried to follow in his footsteps, then, then I wasn't going to get the buy-in of the players. And I was, I was pretty fortunate in that a lot of the senior players that had been involved in the World Cup, and, and uh, I must mention the late Joost van der Beesthuizen. I mean, he was one of the first guys that got up there and said, guys, if, we, if we're going to... If we're going to be successful, we need to all pull together and 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 support Gary as in this position. So, um, you know, I was lucky. They were that was a team that was well established, and and uh, I, I was able to take over. But it was it was difficult, you know. I mean, Francois was so respected throughout the the country um, that that it, it wasn't an easy period. I think it's fair to say, Gary, that you yourself became a fan favorite as well with the public. Uh, but let's talk about that 1996 end of year tour. It was a really, really good one for the Springboks. Some really great results. Talk to me about beating France in France. I think in my career, we 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 had some good results in France. Um, and, and the one that sticks out in my mind was that, that big win um, with, with Nick Mallet. But it's it's a it's a difficult place to tour. Um, it's a it's a diff, very different culture. They they you never know what you can expect from the French team. You know they can either really turn it on or they get a, onto the field and they don't perform. It's very you're very unsure what to expect. So um, yeah, I, I think I think the again um, you know we had. I'd been had a good time with the sharks, and 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 you know I just try to try to follow that same road and what I we had achieved at the sharks, and I suppose my outside of being a, a you know I'm I'm not a a sort of vocal captain, um, but I would always try and ensure that on the field I would. Um, Try and make the least mistakes and try and 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 really give 120 percent because I knew if if I did that then then the players would do do similar. Um, so that was my my sort of approach to it. Um, always enjoyed touring France, but um, I suppose because we had 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 a bit of a success there. Gary, tell me what was your relationship like with Andre Marcroft? It was good, hey. You know, I. I, I Andre, I mean, I I still chat to him today, and I, I've seen him up only the other day. Saw him up in Kimberley. Um, you know, Andre, he, he's one of those guys that that commits a hundred percent. He eats, sleeps, and drinks rugby, um, and and if it's business, he does the same. Um, so I respected the amount of uh, time and effort that he and the passion that he put into to that position. You know, unfortunately, he he had that incident, and 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 where he supported us. When I say us, it was you know by that time, 
there were a lot more of the guys that weren't involved in the World Cup 95 that were starting to come through, likes of Andre Fenter, Henry Honeyball, and quite key players. So so there was always a, every time we went on a tour, there was a renegotiation of what we were going to get paid. And that's where Andre, because of he he was very much involved in SA rugby, he 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 looked after us and made sure that we that we um you know we we were we we were looked after. Um so yeah, I have got a lot of respect for for Andre and he was the one that gave me the opportunity to captain the Springboks. And then, of course, he was out in 1997 and he was replaced by Carl Duplessis. What did you make of Carl as a coach? I think where, where it was difficult for Carl was that he had no history of coaching. Um, and unfortunately, when you come at that level, um, no matter how, what kind of player you were in the past, um, you need to bring different ideas and you need to keep uh, the players um not interested in the interested but but you need to keep them on their toes and and bring bring new ideas so so it was difficult uh with with coral because he hadn't had any experience in in the in the coaching side of things so uh, as much as i've got a huge amount of respect for for coral um i think it was probably a a decision made by sa rugby that 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 they didn't really consider that side of it, um, and um, unfortunately, we just we we were like a team that didn't have have direction. And I've got to put my hand up there too because I I could have also got more vocal and and uh, um, try and maybe I should have supported it more and tried to explain to him more that we needed that more of a direction than. You know, he he came with this. He wanted to play an expansive game, um, but you know, there's you can't just. I mean, Mac put always put it very cleverly, and he related it to cricket. You don't see a, a test batsman going in and trying to hit the sixth first ball. You build the innings, and uh, um, you've got to in rugby. I think. You've got to earn that right to 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 play that expansive game, and um, I think that's where we we battled to get to have that direction. How disappointing was it to go down to the British and Irish Lions? Huge, huge disappointment. You know, you only get one one chance. You're lucky if you get one chance in your career. Um, so, I honestly believe we 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 had a better team. You know. Um, I think that Durban game, I don't think, I mean, uh, 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 we scored three tries to none and we still lost the game. You know, that's, it was quite unheard of. And, uh, you know, um, I, I think with that British Lions te- series, you the, the team that wins the first game, that pressure just is relieved, you know, and especially if you are the visiting visiting team uh, so the, the pressure mounts on the home team if he lost that first game and and that's exactly what happened and so we gave a lot of penalties away in that Durban game um, and, and and we didn't convert our our opportunities uh, in terms of um, 
you know, we scored the tries but didn't kick the points. So, yeah, it was a it was a tough one to to take, but I think that's uh, that's part of the game. And then Nick Mallet took over from Carl Duplessis. How much different was the atmosphere in the camp under Nick? I was sort of uh, looking at at uh, retiring from international rugby because you know I'd been through Andre Carl. I had Kitch before, and and just I was really enjoying my rugby at the Sharks level. So um, and and uh, you know I think Henry Honeyball, you know we we were quite close, and he was pretty much the same. Um, and then you know Nick came in, and and again I, you know he had had that experience. He had coached in France, um, so he had had coaching experience, and I think you're. You will always, um, if you if you chat to to Nick, he's a very um, strong with his opinions and the way he wants to play the game. And I think that was very, you know, we had come from a a situation where we had no direction, and suddenly he came in, and this is how we are going to play, and this is what I expect of you. And exactly, um, it. it, it it sort of brought us all together. Um, it was the first time he actually brought in uh, after a test. You'd 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 get a piece of paper under your door, and he'd give you five or six points where you'd performed well, and five or six where you where you can improve. So there was a lot of feedback, and and that was that was quite refreshing. And then into 1998 and the Tri-Nations, it was a very special competition for us that year. Talk to me about the two away wins that year. We were really starting to get momentum in terms of, of winning uh, games. And uh, we went over, played Australia and Perth. And actually, we should never have won that game. I, I think um, Matt Burke missed a, a kick right in front of the poles. Um, and I think you scored... Uh, right towards the end, it was a shocking game. Um, in fact, I remember getting that note under my door, and and there was only five things that I and there was nothing that we had done well. So it was a bit of luck. And then then uh, we went to New Zealand, Wellington, and uh, you know I'd been going there a number of years provincially with the Sharks, and and and. Uh, and at Springbuck level. So I'm trying to think if that, which game it was, it was, I think, the 100th test, I think, because um, Derek Watts was over there from Carte Blanche. And uh, I'll never forget it because, um, you know, Wellington, it wasn't the new new stadium, so the, 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 the change rooms were pretty small and like real concrete type change rooms and uh after the game we were obviously all um we were all all just in celebrating and uh their door was closed down the road and then uh, uh on um thingy what's the name old uh derek decides he wants to try get into the all blacks change room and he eventually he's knocking on the door that I know he pushes it open and and the guy comes to kick him out but 
you know how tall Derek is. He, he wasn't uh, used to seeing such a tall reporter. Anyway, Derek managed to get himself into that change room. Um, and I remember you, you're saying to me, um, this is as close as it gets to to winning the World Cup. So uh, that meant meant quite a bit. And how about that come from behind win against the All Blacks in Durban? I think by that stage we were on such a roll, and 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 we sort of we knew that that we we were going to win. In fact, um, I remember Mark Andrews after you know after, after half time. You know, we were walking out and, and and Mark said to me, you know, Gary, you must just stick to the game plan. And I said, Mark, we 23-5 down at half time. It's not like we're playing a second division side. We're playing the All Blacks. And you say, stick to the game plan. And uh, um, it's, it certainly doesn't seem to be working. Anyway, we we stuck to our guns. And then, and again, a... a you know, I think in teams you need those those guys that can pull off something special, and then you need the the sort of grafters, and and Yust was one of those guys, you know, and he he sort of ignited it with that little snipe around the the lineout and and scored a try, and then suddenly we started believing, and you know, in the context of the Tri Nations, it didn't make any difference if we won or not. We still had to beat Australia in in in. In Joburg, but Nick made the point at half time. He said, "You know, there's fifty thousand people that have paid to come and watch you, and you can't perform like you have in the, in the first half. So forget about what doesn't make any difference. It's it's those fifty thousand that have paid good money to come watch you. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a a great comeback and." It was nice to do that to them because they had done it to us before. It was very memorable indeed. In fact, Gary, I can tell you that I clearly remember watching that game with two all-black supporters. So you can imagine the, the seesaw atmosphere, uh, but I got to have the last laugh that day. <laughs> John, John Hart and Nick were actually, because now it had become quite professional, so they actually set up a, a golf game on the Sunday to try get the players to mix uh, more and uh, it was quite funny because we won that as well. So it was a double whammy that weekend. <laughs> Gary, on to the 1998 end of year tour. We were still winning, but the performances were not as clinical as we had seen earlier in the year. Now, I've heard several theories. Some people say that there was end-of-year fatigue. Others say that the opposition were a little bit more up for it uh, because we were on such a winning streak, so they were determined to beat us. I've also heard things like uh, interference from Alan Solomons with regards to Bobby Skinstead. I'd like to hear your take. People underestimate the amount of rugby we had played. Um, you know, and, and in those days, they, the subs weren't uh, used as much. Um, you had the impact players like Bobby was fulfilling that role. Um, but I, I think that was the main thing. Obviously, um, we are coming off such a high winning the first Tri-Nations. And once you... And that's where the All Blacks are really good. I mean, if you're number one... Everyone's going to lift their game uh, to try and beat you. They're going to play an extra ten to twenty percent harder to try and knock the number one off the off the ladder. So I, I do believe those those teams um, 
they they lifted their game but we we were still winning um and 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 i think maybe nick was thinking um the following year in the world cup and 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 maybe he read it as that they had improved more than we probably weren't on top of our our game um and i think that's where he he started uh, messing with a few positions and and it started with moving andre fenter to lock uh, to accommodate um bobby who to me is a brilliant player but he was fulfilling a great role and it was working for us at that stage um and and really all in preparation i think for for trying to do something different in in 1999 at the world cup so yeah it's it, it was it was unfortunate and uh, um i still you know was i still felt that we were doing enough it wasn't probably a team game in fact against Ireland Bobby Bobby I think scored two tries or one try and created another one he had a huge so it was more of an individual uh performance that got us out of trouble there and then against Wales we just squeaked in so the games were a lot closer um but if you rewind back to 97 we were we were thumping them by 40 50 points um so you know that that also doesn't last no for sure and then into 1999 gary i know that you had quite a few injuries uh, in in 99 and that limited your play time uh, as it turns out your final test match was against the all blacks uh, in dunedin 28-0 how devastating was that defeat to come from where we were and suddenly um we had we put in a performance that certainly wasn't acceptable it was a funny week in the build up to that because at that stage i mean henry honeyball i think was out we had a couple of uh, injuries and that's one thing also in that 17 test run we were also very fortunate with injuries we didn't have a lot of injuries um and um in the build up to that test we were concerned that the weather was going to be play a big part and we practiced as though it was a wet game uh, a typical dunedin type weather and come the day it was just sunshine um so we just couldn't couldn't adapt to that change and yeah it was it wasn't a great performance from us um so so quite disappointing um we had come from wales i think we had gone and played it suddenly a game in wales which a uh, half empty millennium stadium we had had a couple of issues off the field before that and then flew from there to to new zealand so i don't think a great preparation and uh, then just a poor performance on the on the saturday And the next thing you know the World Cup squad is announced for 1999 and you were omitted from that. Did you receive any warning or a courtesy call at least? I, I, my relationship with Nick had really um it had, it had, it had gone and gone backwards I think and um you know we had always had a very open relationship very uh, straight 
talking relationship and um, suddenly I just felt I was being excluded from when we are down in, in when we were in Wales to the trip uh, and 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 you know he, he he was confiding quite a bit with with Solly who at that stage was involved with the stormers so it was it was it was quite difficult because we had come such a long way and then suddenly that relationship had, had disintegrated and and so I knew there was something uh, um, bothering him or that something wasn't right and and then um, I basically uh, I got a call I was on the physio bench at um, at the shops and then got a call and. He said he said that uh, basically, you know, he's going to go with Bobby, who had also been injured, um, and that he was, uh, I think, going to take take Anton Lennon. So I'd sort of gone from one to five um, in in a short space of time. So yeah, that's but it's it's sport. Absolutely. Gary, I also spoke to Tion Strauss on this show uh, a few months ago. And as you will well know, he was dropped from the team ahead of the 1995 Rugby World Cup. And I spoke to him about having to be in an environment among friends, family, colleagues and that, and hearing conversations and being part of conversations to the extent of you should be in the team. Why are you not in the team? They've made a mistake by leaving you out. I'm sure that you must have been in a similar environment. That couldn't have been nice, right? You got to take it from where it comes. I mean, if your fam- I'd be very surprised if your family say, "No, you know, shouldn't be in that team." Especially my mother, she she actually didn't believe I was dro- dropped. She thought that he was just arresting me. So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I think it, it it's not a it's it's not a nice space. Um, but I think uh, as a player, you know. 80% of the time, you know if you should be in that side or you shouldn't be in that side. Um, and and I think especially if you've come a long way, and, and that was a di- disappointing thing is that, you know, if, if Nick had said to me, shit, um, excuse my language, uh, um, that you're not number one at the moment, but you need to play yourself into, and I'm going to give you opportunities on this, to or the World Cup to play into that position, but at the moment you're not there. But I went from one to five, and then that's. Um, and I think sometimes a coach maybe feels that because you're a captain, uh, that you you have to play, and and it would be quite difficult. But I think I certainly would have accepted it, and until I proved that I. I should have been from a from a performance point of view. I wouldn't want to be in that side if you weren't performing, just because you're the captain. But it, it becomes quite a hard conversation for the coach. Gary, I've heard that a few years later, Nick actually apologised to you. Is that true? Yeah, we 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 talk every now and again. No, no, it's, I can you move on there. You know, I've I've certainly been very fortunate and. Um, I'd love to have played in a World Cup, but I also wouldn't throw those those times that we had winning those seventeen tests away either. So, 
yeah, we, I mean, he's apolog- he has apologized and, and, you know, it is what it is. Um, he also, you got to appreciate, uh, as coaches, you've got to make some tough decisions. Um, the problem I had was that, you know, Bobby had been injured. He also was in a pretty similar space as where I was. We hadn't had a time to to we hadn't played a lot on the on the field because of injuries. Okay, Gary, who was your toughest opponent? Well, I'm glad I didn't play against Mark Andrews and only played with him. But I think uh, most not tough, but most skillful and hard was uh, Zinzan. And is there a particularly funny moment that you can share with us from your time with the Springboks? I'm a, the first person I revert to is, is Dick Muir. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's been, everyone answers the same question with his name in it. Hey? I think Andre was coach. He was coaching the, the test team and then uh, Nick Mallett and and uh, Reese Edwards were doing the midweek side. And I think between Kevin Putt and Dick, they decided to give uh, Nick a sleeping pill on the way to the midweek game. I wasn't there, but when I heard about it and how he fought this uh, Dormican sleeping pill to stay awake uh, during the game and then uh, got back, I think they just won. Fortunately, they won. And then uh, just collapsed on on the bus fast asleep. So yeah, no, we had some. We, we and and that's. I think I was very fortunate to play in a bit of the amateur era, and then play in the professional era. And I don't think I'd swap that um, for just professional. We had some great times, amateur, um, great times, professional too. Funny enough, Gary, uh, I had Val Bartman on the show quite early on, and he also mentioned Dick Muir. And when he mentioned Dick, it was almost as if you got the sense that he'd been waiting years to tell someone the story. So that's quite funny. He certainly kept everyone on their toes. Gary, is there a player right now currently who you admire? So I I just think uh, Eben is just playing out of his shoes, you know, and he's been doing it for... For a long time, it hasn't just been one season. Um, he's just a phenomenal player. So I sort of I, I look at him and wonder how long he can carry on. And hopefully, he's got another another World Cup that he because I think without him, that that Springbok side is not. Um, I think it, it's just it's that much more potent, you know, um, and and. Because and even when he came to the Sharks, yeah, you know, he was, he would get onto that field and he'd just perform, and and that's what you want to see from a top player, especially when they come back to, to, um, to the provinces, and then and then I've got a huge amount of respect from uh, for Sia and where he's come from and how he's handled it, and yeah, you know, he's just a, a phenomenal person and and a great player. And what are you up to these days, Gary? I started a business in 1995 because I had time off during the World Cup and uh, we started a little plant tie business and that's just grown and grown. So it's now more of a construction business and then we got other sides to it, some actually involved in, in a drilling business with Adrian Garvey. 
and then some cane hauling business. So mainly mainly in Africa. But yeah, it's 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 good fun. It's I mean it's it's we've got phenomenal people and I think that's what helped me in business is is my experience in rugby is that you need that team around you to 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 perform and I'm fortunate to have a great team. Sounds good. Gary, let's finish off with the trivia question. In 1999, the Springboks narrowly beat Australia at Newlands in the Tri-Nations. What was the score? Do you know the answer, Gary? I can't even remember if, it, if I was on tour with Nick Mellett or, or Andre Markroft. Um, I'm going to take a flyer. 22-18. All right. Uh, and I, you know what? When I was preparing for this uh, and I was picking a question from 1999, I thought, I can't pick something from a match that you actually played in because that would make it too easy. Uh, but in fact, the correct score was actually 10-9. Uh, <laughs> where, where did they play that? In Newlands? That was at Newlands, yeah. Probably in Wales by then. <laughs> Gary, it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today. An absolute pleasure to speak to a Springbok captain. And thank you for sharing those fascinating stories with us. And I hope that we can have you on again in the future. Thanks, Peter. And, and nice to chat to you. Last time on Front Row Rugby, I had 1995 Rugby World Cup winner Gavin Johnson on the show. You can go and watch that video. It's appearing on your screen right now. Next time, Huffy Dutoy will be my guest. This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. If you enjoyed this content, please consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. See you next time.